Hello. 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 Not welcome, but hello. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Always Strikes Last, the podcast where we sometimes talk about Age of Sigmar, but we always talk about Striking Last. And we and always we have a mastery. say hello. <laughs> we always yes. say hello. And a mastery uh, of dramatic pauses. That is there we go. <laughs> our calling card. It's like the Joker, uh, but more sonorous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Miles, and of course, I'm always joined by uh, my co-hosts, Jack and Matt. Uh, welcome, to the, welcome to the podcast. Indeed. Uh, what do we got today? Anything good? We have uh, so many good things, but settling on two of them amongst this panoply of treats Indeed. for dear listeners, we have two topics. One, uh, some stuff which is top of mind for everyone out there. A couple new books that may or may not be game-changing, Ooh. some more than others. The Gloom Spike Gets and The Beasts of Chaos was recently released last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a second topic, a tactical one, uh, informed or misinformed by our various experiences along the sort of lines, would be when to hold back. When is it good to just uh, just keep it going a little longer before you commit or push in or, or jump all over that opportunity? You know, when can it actually help win you the game to not immediately rush right in? Because that's sure. something I think we all struggle with and is worth a discussion. <clears throat> Absolutely. Let's jump right in. Let's take that one. I like that. Uh, really just flex our, our uh, tactical uh, geniusery. Uh, I'll be silent for the next 15 minutes, folks. Uh, exactly. Uh, the, uh, leading with the word geniusery, uh, you know you could expect good things and trust everything that is said here. Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> Indeed. So trustworthy. Um yeah, so we were thinking about we've all had some games recently, and especially when you're playing a melee army, uh, it, most melee armies at this point, I think, in the game have some kind of alpha strike option, you know, that you can, uh, you know, sort of build towards uh, or, you know, leverage more or less, depending on what you want to go for. And when is the moment to actually do that versus? Just sort of uh, when is the threat really the 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 biggest uh, win for those for those factions? Um, I've been playing a lot of Iron Jaws, uh, surprising no one who has been listening to this podcast for the last several months. And uh, you know, it's can I get one to two mock crushes anywhere on the board? Turn one, yeah, sure, I could do that. Uh, is that a great idea? Frequently not. You know, uh, (laughs) but sometimes it is, you know, Um, and especially, you know, coming from an army that has really no shooting, uh, it's very difficult for me uh, as a, you know, as a player to weather shooting and and or magic when I know I could just go punch some stuff. And that's the, I think that's the essence of it right there. I mean, my own recent uh, experiences of this are Slave to Darkness, Grand Host of Sinesh flavored, where by mm-hmm. chosen, you know, can be sort of anywhere on the board. And despite having some good successes with that particular strategy, I have often pondered the same thing that Miles has been thinking about. Well, I could throw them right in there. They could be in combat probably, and that would feel good because then they wouldn't give that opponent a chance to remove them or to frustrate my plan or to stymie them somehow, you know, and, and like that, that really weighs heavily like on the temptation. 
but maybe it's not the best time to do that. And there, there are a number of things you know, I could really get into, you know, as we discuss this topic where it seems like you could identify when that is the case and when it's not the case, but you always want to just get it done. <laughs> yeah. And as somebody who generally plays, um, non, non damage heavy output units in armies mm-hmm. that have movement, um, I tend to actually really do a lot more holding back than sometimes I think I even should. So when I'm playing a, an army that does have that massive damage, massive damage output potential, um, I will find myself holding back more than I actually should because I'm practiced in using, you know, old crappy beasts of chaos tactics, which were don't engage, make sure that you're just around and you can engage when you have, um, you know, priority or, Stormcast uh, Vanguard sends the uh, shooting uh, units there. Um, you know, hop around, engage only at the right time. Otherwise, you've lost the game. Style. That's fair. Your your, your particular, uh, I guess, instincts, Matt, are to wage war as a form of provocative display. You're yes, dance fighting in front of the enemy. <laughs> uh, stand in front of them <laughs> and raise the kilt, uh, essentially, and wag. There we go. Um, yeah, so, so generally when, when this topic comes up, it's usually around turn three after I've lost the game. Uh, and, and it's, and, and it's really interesting because almost every time, uh, this comes up, uh, in a game, um, whether it's a practice game or whether it's at a tournament, you know, generally I like to have a conversation with the player, uh, my opponent, um, I'd be like, well, what do you think I could have done better in this game? And, you know, just really just kind of like get that opportunity to learn from them. Right. Um, And usually it's, it's either if I'm going to hold back, it's in service of a, uh, an objective. Right. And if I've overextended myself, it's usually because I was trying to kill more, that to take objectives later. So it's almost a risk reward thing that I notice on my playing style. Whereas mm-hmm. like if I kill more now, then the field is clear. I can take those objectives later, which usually ends up not working out well for me. Sure. Versus uh, trying to just score early, score often and win by having a commanding lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Choice does um, seem to work out the best. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that generally, I think the iron jaws strategy is score early, score often and, and win by having a commanding lead because frequently I do get blown off the table. Uh, we, you know, we have very poor saves all, all sudden done. Uh, and, uh, and there's no, there's no summoning. There's no nothing. You know, I've got five units basically and a handful of, uh, Galatian champions. And once they're gone, they're gone, you know? Yeah, no resurrection spells for you. Nope. But if you have a commanding lead uh, and it's turn three and a half, then that might have been enough. Yeah, and more so it befits Iron Jaws to kind of take a commanding lead and then be able to position yourself later in the game to chain off your attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can see that being army specific very good idea second turn is probably when you're making all your charges all at once and and maybe that's an interesting kind of 
kind of thought experiment around this. I mean, let's take the the Iron Jaws you've been playing, Miles, as an example. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to score early, score often. So obviously, it's a game about points. You know, you might die because you have some fragility, and that kind of starts weighing your temptation. The mock rush is like to you throw them in there, like you know, a couple of torpedoes, help you destroy everything so they can't whack you back, or do you, right. you know? position them to score some points to create a threat they have to respond to. I just hope that they can't respond to it adequately enough where they get some out of position or whatever. I mean, is that sort of the tension that you run into with it? Is that where like the, it comes down for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, even more so as I've been trying to, uh, you know, adapt to this new GHB where we're <laughs> trying to have more, you know, I've been trying to play more with the, the foot uh, boss uh, and having a retinue and having more brutes and more art boys and that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, there's a real temptation to be like, all right, turn one, how far can I possibly move? Scooch him forward. Like get, uh, for everybody at home, I just made a little pushing gesture. It was very cinematic. Uh, <laughs> very, very <laughs> emphatic even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, you know, because frequently I'm, I don't outdrop people. Uh, I've gotten closer. I'm now uh, running a three to four drop, depending on, you know, some some slight tweaks. Uh, but it's really not enough to compete with people who are one drops, you know, which seems like uh, I saw some statistics recently from, I want to say, T-Sports um, that were saying that uh, we, were, we were largely looking at one to two drop armies was the, the prevalent meta. Uh, right now. And that's interesting, right? Um, in my experience, most of those, there, there are two types of one drop armies, a one drop mm-hmm. shooting army and a one drop, um, army that will make you go first. Yeah. And so, so that, that forces again, that, um, do I move forward and do I, do I try and make up the ground? Right. And yeah, get right. in. Um, as somebody who never plays one drop armies, I'm always on, on that, on that receiving into the stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes for interesting choices where, you know, everybody's always trying to get that, um, get that double turn and it can really force them out of their position, trying to get their objectives, especially now with what I've played so far with the new GHB, um, with mm-hmm. tactics being harder to get. Um, you know, they're really forced to make harder decisions, um, about where they want to move, how they want to grab objectives and, uh, target priorities. Very true. It's hard to have it all with the current objectives unless you have some really easy book ones. I, I love it. I love it. That's, that's one of the things that I very much enjoyed about the new, uh, GHB is how hard it is to get first turn tactics. If you're just reaching purely from that book. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely find myself uh, a lot of misplays that I have done in the new GHB have been I didn't deploy with my first turn one tactic in mind. Yeah, it's it's been my experience as well. I know it's it's a bit of a fun digression, but the number of times I had to do something suboptimal to get like a cunning maneuver to make sure I could snag mm-hmm. it because that was like the only one available was sure. not, was a non-zero number in this last GT. <laughs> Say that much it was a screw up. <laughs> No, exactly. Or I have to roll, uh, you know, a sketchy teleport, or I've got to uh, spend a command point on an auto run, or something like that. Something I don't really want to do, or I don't really want to risk. 
Yeah, uh, because my the hero that normally would be good for that is out of is out of uh, out of place. Exactly, exactly. But I guess um, kind of zooming back to this this topic, this idea of mm-hmm. like the holding back where the benefit is. I guess I'll share just a, a few of my recent experiences um, with this because. Like I was sort of alluding to, you know, I had some good successes and a good run, you know, the, the last outing, throwing the chosen in to demolish something important. I try to break the back of an army. And, sure. you know, they were exactly that alpha strike. You know, you know, 10 chosen. You know, with Slanesh, you can get an auto run. With a little luck, you can get a 3d6 charge. They can, they can go places that people would not expect turn one. But then mm-hmm. they're all the way out in front of your army. They're fighting yeah. on their own. You give like that opportunity for the opponent to do whatever they can do to whack them back. And then if they get a little lucky, maybe, you know, they're really in the, the danger zone or dead or if something just goes terribly awry in that big combat or, or, or whatever kind of reprisals it might have from whether that's from a standard shoot or some combat thing. Sure. And, you know, it worked very well. But I, I started thinking about this in the sense that, well, I've, I've pushed 480 points up here. And so I got to do its job or it's going to be clear to the opponent that, they can now counter it and they just have to deal with 50, points of my army rather than what if they just sat back that turn on that objective, you know, with the threat of like a five up rally or the fact that you may be charged the next turn, or if they get out of position with their castle and try to take them down, it's much easier for me to at least survive and, you know, rally mm-hmm. back or whatever, but maybe then just like pick apart whatever's left. It, it's a much tougher series of choices than situations where you just run in and you, and you bounce. Um, one notable example was uh, I played great guy, you know, with some Lumineth uh, in this GT and I ran in and, you know, they, they'd taken a few shots to the guy had taken top of one, but we're talking seven mm-hmm. or eight shows and getting in. And their whole objective was to kill a bunch of archers and spearmen, you know, try to just break, get, get a lot of these bodies off. Classic Lum- anti-Lumineth tactic right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, we, we need these gone. So you tech, let's go sit alone, you know, kind of thing. Well, yep. Of course, they the five up ward bubble up and, you know, they have all their Aether Quartzies that can, you know, pop those like, you know, candies that they want to have a decent save. And I, I don't think I'd rolled in that particular game, like the eye of the gods to get the extra rend or anything. And they, and all the buffs just hadn't gone off. Like, you know, Sorcerer blowing himself up. And I'd run in at like base chosen level, not super Saiyan chosen level. And they swung all their hammers and they bounced, essentially bounced right off both of those units. They did only a couple of casualties each, but like not the substantial numbers you look for. Mm-hmm. And then in the reprisal, you know, these you citizen soldier archers, you know, elementary adherents or whatever, like they got out their magical sun metal daggers and rolled a bunch of sixes and fives and took like a lot of wounds to them. And, you know, chosen don't have great mortal wound protection really. So before I knew it, I was down to one chosen and I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, the, the chosen chosen, the chosen chosen, you know, you, I had a motto passes morale, hope you'd survive. You didn't, but there we are. Like, I, it's like, I'd thrown my, my big shot and now it was so much harder to control the board or do anything, but I'm like, they could have sat back there and absorbed a whole nother turn from him. Definitely survived and rallied half of the other back. I I'm like, do, I do want to point out that Slaneshi chosen don't run. They gallivant a, Oh, yes. oh. Prance. Um, fair enough. Prance and we'll let the, let the record show <laughs> And, uh, menacingly. <laughs> <laughs> and and B, I think uh, that may come down to, well, obviously there's personal play style involved there, but um, that, that, that is a great example of like uh, something we haven't even touched on yet with uh, your play style, when to hold back, when to move forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with chosen being that chosen unit 
to uh, move forward and, you know, be the wrecking ball right in the face. Um, I wonder if there was anything else in your list that could have attained an objective that you wanted to do or provided a, um, an objective, uh, objective grabber, a, uh, a line tapper or something. Right. I think, um, for me personally, I, I like to build a lot of redundancy in my lists for that specific reason. Uh, the game that I just had, um, I also played my Slaves of Darkness Army for, I think, the first time since the book has come out. Just haven't had enough time. Too many armies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the trouble. I, I ran the all-night, all-chariot list, and the chariots were amazing for that. Uh, there wasn't a turn that I didn't get some objectives um, because I had that 12 inch movement with uh, the ability to auto run them. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, where they would not um, cause as much destruction as the chosen, it was a hundred points that I could throw away um, by rushing up and getting jobs done. And, and that's what they were built into the list for, as opposed to like, chosen are substantially expensive models so i feel like that in and of itself is um, a risky play a fun play if it goes off right because they have the complete oh, yeah. potential to do it but um but yeah you're totally yeah, we, right like if they're left the, there they could just get eaten up mm-hmm. and the thing that does make it so sweet is that like one in whatever four times when you know you've surrounded the ironclad and you just eat 800 points in one go, you know, or you've, uh, yeah, you break techless open in, and then the Lumineth army just falls to pieces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or whatever it is, whatever insert Epic moment here, you know, and, uh, you're just, uh, chasing that high for the rest of the time. That's such yeah. a, it's such a good point. Or, or when you're a mod crusher, you throw the mod crusher in and he just kills everything. Everything bounces off of him and the army crumbles. Cause you've like, you know, chained a lot of attacks to to get some impossible position but then there are the times yeah. it bounces and it's much easier for your opponent to like solve the puzzle at that point you're you're, you're absolutely right yeah i I, th- I think one thing that uh that i noticed you know with this and maybe that exact that exact thing about chasing that high is letting yourself have that fun but just always thinking about the math like when is when is this like an almost sure thing versus like a let's roll some dice, right? Cause trying to win five games at a big tournament, looking for three ups, you're going to fail the three up at least once, right? When that's what your strategy is. Hopefully sure. the slight advantage means you crush them. So it's like, you have to almost be a little bit more moderate your bites or, or very considered with those moves. I ran into that exact same example. I ran right up onto a checklist. You know, I mm-hmm. killed all this stuff. Uh, he was sitting there with six wounds, couple saves reasonably more failed. He could have been zero wounds done game. Great. You know, <laughs> totally different result, you know, but yeah, yeah. you can't bank on it. And that's how I think about the overcommitting. I say every time, you know, you throw that model in and maybe it's a good thought exercise to say, okay, it worked out or it didn't. What would have happened if I hadn't, what else could I have done? Yeah, what yeah. If, would they have done to me? And what could I have done the next turn? On a, not even on a double, just reasonably. And if that's still something great and guaranteed points, it's probably always the less sexy, but very fun play. Notably, we're not allowed to do that in Hedonite, Slanesh Land. We always choose the sexy play. Always. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> though, of religion. The, 
the the sexy play can be um, you know holding in anticipation, right? That's true. Edging <laughs> is a thing. Um, no, but uh, you know the on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, like that's one of the reasons I tend to play like the lower tier lists, right? Is because like. I've learned that I will just chase that high right away. If I have something that will destroy everything in sight, I'll just be like, okay, it will always be able to do that. And yeah, yeah. so like the easiest way for me to beat that is to never expect anything from <laughs> the models. And Pure so denial they'll continually, of potential. Yeah. They'll continually surprise me. Um, Twin souls out of heat nights being that one that has consistently surprised me because you never expect anything from it. I would agree with that one. They're, they're so fun, especially last GHP with the three damage. <laughs> I I didn't even need it. Didn't even need it. Two damage is enough with the amount of the dice that they were rolling. But it's true. The um, you know, I I found more often than not that my dice will fail me at every single opportunity. Um, so mm-hmm. I think. Your build definitely, and your army choices. Um, you know that was one of the things that I noticed in my game, um, my games last night with Charles against the new uh, Gloomspite, um, and I'm running that you know hyper elite all knights all chariots list. Was um, it, your army choice really matters? If you're playing a hyper aggressive army that can throw out damage, it's really not good to not capitalize on those points where you can use your movement and your damage output to really just eviscerate things before they start building up steam. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose that's true. Right. Cause there is a tension there. You have a mock crusher, you have a 480 point unit chosen. If you aren't whacking the something with it to death and capitalizing on it, maybe you're missing out on their opportunity and it's costing you because they're not doing what they're doing. But I guess it's, it's a bit of a tension, right? Maybe sometimes sitting on the objective is, much as that could be done by 10 on gore or a single character is what's needed to be done. So it's, it's push and pull, but it, that's a really good point. Well, I think this topic is pretty good one. We could probably go on about it forever, but what do you guys think about moving on to some of these exciting new battle tomes? Well, I think they are, they are very exciting. I think miles and I have had some experience against Gloom's fight. Um, I got my first crash course against them last night with my own army models, no less. Um, <laughs> nice salt to injury. Oh my yeah. salt in the wound. Um, you know, I had, I had been lucky enough to see some of the previews of the rules, um, a little bit early on, uh, of both those books. Um, but I am the person who, uh, just cannot absorb them unless I have the book in my hands. So sure. I was patiently waiting for him and, um, you know, I went up against an interesting list, uh, mixed list, not too mixed, uh, trog based, uh, one trog boss, uh, two units of six, uh, stone guts, um, one unit of the, uh, river trog rock guts, rock, guts. rock, rock, waters. Trog uh, offs, rock stones, <laughs> trogs, um, they don't know what they don't know the words I'm saying. They don't know it. <laughs> I can say whatever words are the bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, twenty four squigs, uh, squig, squig boss on the uh, the big squigs, and okay. uh, 
the Loon King himself, a couple of other models here and there. Scragrot, yeah. Yeah, Scragrot and the boss who gives the six bliss to hit for mortals on mm. squigs. Um, yep. And then a fungoid shaman. And nice. that new endless spell, the uh, moon, which is way undercosted. The malevolent moon, the one that creates a little a little glowy lantern of moonlight. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so, A, squigs are perfect now. Um, in fact, they may be a little bit too perfect, uh, from my experience. Apex predators of every army. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you, you know, we were talking about it after game. Um, yeah. Again, this was my night list that I was uh, just talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which is Karkadrak Lord, two Night Lords, uh, four units of five knights, and then four five chariots okay and um so a lot of speed a lot of hitting power uh where i needed to be uh not a lot of staying power uh even with the three and ups or potential two and up saves um so the (laughs) the output of gloom spike hits is amazing uh there's so much damage to be thrown around now um they finally got squigs right with three attacks each, just on the little basic guys. They are now super fast with D6 plus five movement. Um, mm-hmm. Even though the squigs did nothing really that game other than kill a couple things, um, they were the MVPs because after getting one Lord munched up, I did not want to be in combat with those guys for the rest oh, of I the game. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Um, Trogs. Trogs are stupid now. Trogs are really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really funny. So I got to watch, I, I didn't get to play them. I watched uh, two friends uh, play the new Gits versus uh, Sylvaneth. Uh, really good Sylvaneth player. Uh, definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, was running a Lariel and a bunch of Dryads and some Kurnoth and uh, quite a quite a solid list that's definitely kicked my ass a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, his opponent had a, a kind of a similar list. He was uh, definitely, he had some some Rock Guts. Uh, but he was definitely more on the squig side of things. He had some hoppers. Um, he had 36 squigs. Um, the Gabapalooza, <coughs> Scraggrot, the new squig boss, the new uh, the fungoid shaman. Um, and those squigs, the, the unit of 36 squigs won the game without the rest of the army doing anything at all. Yep. Yeah. You're talking about a squig herd, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah. what, six herders, 30 squigs, and they're just like a truck for 360 points? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because and- with Gabapalooza, um, and you, so you're getting plus two attacks for each of them. They're doing mortals on sixes. Uh, if they die um, and flee, they're getting mortals to a unit within nine. You on get twos. Uh, on, on two ups. Twos. Um, you get, uh, six D three squigs back in your hero phase every turn. Um, and if the whole unit gets wiped on a re-rollable four up, you get it, you get it back at half strength for free, ready to roll. Yep. And the Gabapalooza can actually make them rend minus two if it wants, which makes them even more terrifying on those three attacks each. Yeah. So. Quick, quick aside on that Gobblepalooza business. I think for me, that might be the scariest unit in the book. I know, like the squigs are, are really rough, but that just mm-hmm. give a unit run minus one when it's not unique, and, uh, and they, they can also come back themselves. So they're kind of weirdly durable. Mm-hmm, I yeah. feel like 
I was thinking about stuff you could do with that book. And, you know, one that just I kept coming back to was, okay, I take a bunch of error boys or shooters or whatever, right? They double their attacks above 20 to mm-hmm. a horde of them. And you just take two or three gobblepaloozas. And so now you have Ren minus three arrows in that unit because you can stack that. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. like, what can stop that? <laughs> Yeah, there's tell me that. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in the book. Um I I think one of the units that I haven't seen yet, I still need to put mine together uh, because you know they were kind of worthless for my spider army or my squig army uh beforehand, <laughs> but now that they've erased the keywords and we have proper um goblin soup, uh the the Loon Smash of Fanatics now have a place in almost any army with just being able to add an extra attack on anything. Oh, yeah. Are those, those, those are the ones with the uh, the puff balls, not yep. the... Okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, being able to add those in, um, I, think, I think the way that I'm going to write my list, and I'm going to lean into spiders because, honestly, after playing, and I rolled, I rolled beyond poorly, there were... Uh, sure. Two two knights charges. Uh, that, that goes without saying, Matt. Yeah, that's that's sixteen <laughs> attacks. Sixteen attacks each at minus two rend, right? Um, mm-hmm. Two damage each. I maybe got two in on one round after a charge, uh, even with both of the lords striking first, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, but even even then, uh, the. The, the the trogs will just see anything alive that walk into them on a two plus save yeah. potential two plus save five and up shrug and then healing right after they attack right so so good um add a loon smasher to that and you now have ren my or not a loon yeah actually a loon smasher and a trog boss you can add plus two attacks when they do the all-out attack so they're hitting on twos with mm-hmm. four attacks each um you can even do the extra rend on them with the um with the uh, Gobblepalooza, so that's minus three yeah. rend, three damage, four attacks each, twos and threes. Yeah. The the steamrolling potential of the army is insane. It's quite insane. Um, yeah. I, I am definitely anticipating uh, seeing a points increase for these guys uh, in the near future. Yeah, it's... Just because... Uh, it's expected. I, and I don't think... <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Well, because... You know, the sort of the GW model, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well, but the, the model for new books tends seems to be uh, you have a book, right? And then it, it gets pointed when the book comes out. And then as those rules get stale, as, you know, uh, other things happen, the, the edition changes, whatever, you know, you get points decreases and points decreases and points decreases pretty much until you have bargain bin units because they have poor rules. Mm-hmm. And then they get a new book and the points all go back up. Um, and I don't think the gets really got any major points increases. In fact, I saw some that got significant points decreases. Um, yeah, that's as, true. A, as a whole, the army is pretty under undercosted um yeah. the and and they the, were the bargainest of the bargain bins armies yeah. you know so just to be like right out of the gate because they've been such a poor spot well and the the only thing that actually feels fairly costed is the big squig models so the giant mm-hmm. ones um those the manglers 370 mm-hmm. yeah the manglers yeah um and that feels actually appropriately costed and they can chunky. cause 
so much damage. Um, but when you see the 370 price, you're like, well, yeah, that could probably take down Archeon if I had actually, you know, put the right buffs on it, which are super sure. easy to get. So yeah, no, and th- like, but that's the, and that's what you kind of expect out of that kind of that level of monster. Mm-hmm. So exactly. like that, that works perfectly. Uh, Trogs are definitely undercosted. Uh, squigs, I think, probably should see a hike in points mm-hmm. as well. Um, the the army is extremely good. Um, you know, we were talking after our two games and going like, okay, so what has the tools to beat this army as it stands now? Mm-hmm. And and we were kind of at a loss because we were going through my cabinets and I have like. 14 armies, 14 different styles. Sure, sure. I'm walking to each one and I'm like, what about this one? What about that? Nope, 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 nope. We're just crossing yeah. things off the list. And, um, and like trying to figure out what the actual approach against them would be. And it's just such a solid, well-rounded army now that they've erased the keyword um, uh, divisions up. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, that, yeah, I think the only thing that they're going to be able to do is is increase the points so we're gonna see sure. a really sharp rise of awesome <laughs> awesome bloom spite and then it's gonna go bam back down yeah you know it's 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 i think you're probably right about that matt you know but you know just just thinking for a second on who could deal with them as they are right now who actually has that toolkit i'll throw out mm-hmm. just a couple predictions that i think are interesting i want to see how they play out in terms of who can just stop the gets train Mm-hmm. One, I think a bit more obvious is just AOE friendly armies. Any army with huge AOE potential, I think, can have a really good time because there's still small wound models and there are a lot of little things around, especially those heroes who can't come back. So if you can do like a techless thing and Syrian white light the whole army through a spell portal and then throw a couple of things down, mm-hmm. you might be able to just stop it. Or at least big parts of it in its train in that way. Though obviously there's still like the units being really good and low cost and all the other complications. I just see that as being one route. Or those like stormcast kind of point and click AOE bombs could kind of maybe do something similar. Yeah. Um, down some annihilators and just hit everybody with for some mortal wounds. Yeah, lightning or, or whatever that would con- sort of like you know pick a point the of the drop a yeah, couple yeah, yeah. comments. Yeah, the, a couple of uh, characters I think you do a similar thing just by existing once a game. So like you could stack uh, that stuff and. So it's erased like a skag rod, erased like their their puffball shamans or whatever before it kind of gets going. But that's just one thought. The second, and I'm really convinced on this one, is if you have a way to get a fast monster up to that loon shrine and just demolish it, it shuts down all the resurrections. There's no resurrections but for a loon shrine. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the key. So I, I think that's getting to the loon shrine is going to be interesting right um because it depends it's wholly dependent and that's i think the the key point that's kind of scary about um this new book is beforehand uh again there was you know each army had its own cubicle in the office and you know Mm -hmm. they only called each other every once in a while to say Hey, how we doing over there? Oh, we suck. Yeah, because we're all by ourselves. What if we all work together? Um, no, no, we can't do that. Now, <laughs> get over now, there, guy with a different keyword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, the the variation in an army, I think you know maybe that would work once or twice until it gets players finally get like a lay of the land of how they want to play and how the meta immediately responds. Um, but 
back in their heyday when the book first came out and, you know, you saw tons of little gobs or now as you're probably going to see even more like squigs, there's probably mm-hmm. not going to be a room around uh, the uh, loon shrine to be able to charge it. And that monster will probably get eaten up and just die. Uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, Bubble wrap forever because the points are so low. You can afford to just do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think it's probably going to, I think the AOE thing is actually a really good point. Like croak, Croak would absolutely oh, yeah, demolish croak. that list. That would kill uh, Scragrot right away, right? Um, one of the things that Charles can, did. Can we talk about Scragrot? Sorry, just as like a complete interjection. I was, I the was man, going right there. The you man got, got better mm-hmm. and went down a hundred points. So hundred sixty um, points. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is he is a Lord of Change level caster now. Mm-hmm. And his spell 160 is points. vicious. His spell is super yeah. vicious. It's um, better than any of those other, like, it's better than a Lariel spell. It's better than the Lord of Change spell. Uh, and he's, again, bargain basement points. Well, there is one so funny. glaring, glaring problem with bringing him in any list against an army mm-hmm. that shoots. And that's that he's a unique character. So, oh, so he can't, uh, he's not, he's not a Galatian a, champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he can't be put in anything. Um, if you have, um, if you have any decent shooting, um, like Stormcast with long strikes are going to take him out fairly quickly. Um, so sure. like, he does have a pretty serious ward though, doesn't he? Is it four four up, up, I think. Four yeah, up. That's, I mean, that's pretty decent. That's, no, that's just enough that you really have to put some work into him. Which I five wounds is that right? Five wounds total on him. Six six wounds. Mm -hmm. Five up normal save. Four up ward. Okay, I would expect him to you know be the linchpin of many lists because he can control Mm -hmm. the moon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's super important because you need the moonlight to get the four up rally. Otherwise, you're back to six mm -hmm. ups, right? So I also expect him to be a massive target. Then Um, he's. He's he's really good. Oh man, he's so good. He's very very good. Um, and and everything everything right now is bargain bin. Uh, but I think that is his glaring weakness is in this current he's, DHP. He's very shootable. Yeah, he is. He is the only small character with a target painted on his back. Really, out of all the choices, mm-hmm. um, certainly from certainly from vanilla shooting. Yeah, and um, you know. I think shooting armies will really have to capitalize on that to start picking, picking the list apart because yeah. it seems like he will be the linchpin for a lot of this. I can see a trog boss with a free spell um, enhancement mm-hmm. being a linchpin of a lot of lists. Yep, um, yep. And then just squigs, just so many squigs and shooters. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's for sure. No, I'm, uh, I'm intending to take, uh, so we have a Highlander tournament coming up in two weeks, two weeks. Uh, here, which is uh, it's normal tournament, but you can't take a- more than one copy of any unit that isn't unconditional battle line, right? And so for the Iron Jaws, it's a problem because we can't take more than one War Chanta. But for exactly the same number of points, or very close to, I could take twenty shooters allied, in. <laughs> and I like think that's going to be hilarious. So, so <laughs> hoping to have a very good time with that. But yeah, they, they seemed uh, they seem like a, a very nice ally choice. Uh, yeah. 
at least for the, our weird gimmicky uh, tournament. Well, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I, I guess speaking of tournaments and maybe foreshadowing some further talk, you know, uh, if we get the beast of chaos out of this time or next, I also have a tournament coming up and I think I'm going to bring Ooh. the slaves, but I'm going to bring a little beast flavor in there. Ooh. In. Yeah. Cause that new book is maybe not as spicy as uh, what we're seeing with the gets, but it is spicy. At least in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's always one book that doesn't rise to the test of the other book when the double mm-hmm. releases are out. And I think that's beast of chaos, which makes me happy because some of the units are, Overcosted in that book, um, but they're back to being this weird, strangely worded army book that does things not quite on the nose, and you have to really think about how you're going to interact with all of your pieces again. And I really like that about that book. Same. It's, it's fun. It's fun. You know, they all got more expensive, but a lot of them got way better in terms of war scrolls. So they're all of something they can do now, which is actually interesting. Yeah. I think my only sadness is losing my dragon over hero movement. That's the only sadness that I have. That was, that was so fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What movement are you in the movement phase? No, no, I'm just yeah. moving. <laughs> I'm just moving right now when you're in the hero phase. Cause you know, I like, feel we like, do. It. like we don't, do, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll come back to the movement phase in a sec. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to Beast of Chaos. Um, sure. Maybe, maybe a faint glimmer, and then we can get a, a a nice fun recap from your allies in. Absolutely, absolutely. And we can, of course, kind of elaborate in the beast next time to you know, give our listeners a little teaser. But yeah, sure. I think that high level, from what I'm seeing, beasts go more expensive. They are totally different army now. They no longer summon a million things off of a herdstone. Instead, what they do is they can ambush and come in from a million places to basically have the whole army start off the board if they want. And they mm-hmm. have the ability to mess with you from off the board. They can sort of do like weird barbaric dark rituals in the corner and they can affect your army like by doing like mortal wounds to you from a board edge without even being on it or shooting you from a board edge without even being on it or mm-hmm. basically forcing you to move places you don't want to and stuff like that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all really interesting. And I think with them kind of getting a native plus one, if they do decide to pop in at the end of any particular phase and having another one of the worst role for most things, it is kind of going to be one of those armies where if you don't like screen off literally everything, they're going to go where they want. And even if you do, some of those rituals make you move out of the way so they can still go where they want. And it's going to be a really interesting precision ambush from everywhere kind of kind of experience. On the War Scroll side, cool things, really cool things. For instance, Ungors went from being patently useless to now they can retreat, kind of like Skaven, if you activate with them, which makes them a way better screen. You know? Mm-hmm. Ungor were okay. They were great for cutting and throwing into, you know, the, the fires. Into the, into the fires. That was, that was a <laughs> great true. use case for them. <laughs> Very true. But, you know, the, the difference between, like, hey, I 80 points for a warm body to take a spear versus this could be slightly more frustrating for you. Is, for me, it feels like a, a, a huge thing. Oh, Look at the right. gores. They can give ASL to anything they charge. Yeah. They there's have to roll three up. Again, it's a lot of if-thens, right? Um, for the army, which is interesting that they continued that thread, like that design choice of if this is happening, then this can happen. 
if the army is off the board, then they can shoot for this turn. If the, um, you know, if, if the gores make a charge out of ambush, um, you know, they get to reroll it. And if they outnumber, it's a lot of ifs, which is fun because it makes the army a lot harder to play. I think the skill level to play the army has raised quite a bit um, Mm -hmm. because earlier the, the if thens were forgiven by um, early on in that book, maybe a light amount of um, support in uh, summoning. And then as it went crazier and crazier um, with the white dwarf updates, um, you know, then it just became, okay, cool. There are no problems here. We'll just bring this back. Now, we're seeing a level of leaning back into, okay, you have to play tactically with this army again. So I'm interested to see where the Exodus comes from um, away from the army. And then the higher skill players that come in and pick it up. I'm interested to see what they do with it Um, Mm -hmm. because I want to learn. Um, I know for me, the list that's been intriguing me is chariots, senegors, and dragon ogres. Yeah. And if you have those, a lot of chariots, oh. yeah, those three to me um, may actually work if I'm in a situation where ambushing is a dumb idea, which is my major worry about the book. It's, is, it's, it's fair. Yeah. Cause if, if you don't want to ambush, you need the board presence and that's your thing. Then you're kind of caught in a rock and hard place sometimes. I will sure. say, and I, the, I love you. There is that idea. one mission, right, where you can't ambush. Right? So oh. one out of 12 times, you just won't be able to. So and much, much, like the, much like the Stormcast gets screwed on that, too. Yeah. 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 And I mean, everybody should expect to play that on almost every game, right? You should always yeah, yeah. know how to play without being able to ambush. So Got a plan for the worst. It'll be interesting. I'm very interested mm-hmm. to see how it'll work out. But Well, uh... Let me close out real quick, as promised, with just a teaser for what I think will be the fun splash effect. And this does highlight some of the cool War Scroll abilities. Okay. Uh, two things. One, well, three things. One, the Great Bray Shaman. He has Devolve. Devolve is awesome now. It's incredibly good. It was so much better before. I'm so sad. It's it's true. But, I mean, even, even for what it was versus what it is now, I mean, did you get it off and they some 18 inches? They have to take a leadership test on 3d6 for morale, sorry, every time mm-hmm. they want to do any kind of movement thing. And if they fail, it's halved, moves, runs, charges. That's kind of a poor man's bellicor right there for mm-hmm. 95 points. Two, the cockatrice. Different now, but not entirely bad. It lost its like uh, shooty attack of d6 wounds. Now it's way more dangerous in combat if it charges. And more importantly, you just park it within six of that unit you're a little afraid of. If it rolls its four up at the beginning of the combat phase, does mortal wounds to it. If mortal wounds are done to it, that thing can only hit things on a six. So you basically completely neuter all reprisals from something you're not quite sure you're going to kill, at least 50% of the time. You know, again, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dicey, but that's very fun. Last but not least, this is my favorite. Okay. Secret winner of the book. Put my chips down here. Chaos Giant. Yep. Kind of derpy, yeah. kind of goofy. 
He's got the clip clops. He's only has three fingers. Like, yep, yep. He uh, he's okay, monster fighter. You know, he can be a little better near Beast Cats here, but that's not why I'm taking him. I'm taking him one because he's cheap at 145 mm-hmm. points, and two because no longer he, he can no longer trip over himself. He's instead gained a positive ability where anything he is fighting is so disturbed by him or grossed out or otherwise just bothered. They have minus one to their safe. You know, if you combo that with a roar. He is literally a two-point shift in any armor and something you need to kill yep. on his own before he does anything, which yeah. I would pay a lot of points for. <laughs> Generally, the- yeah, he's that the the updates to that model are amazing. I never looked at that model before in my book. Never he just, bought it. He just wants to show you his rock. He's like, guys, I got my rock. No, yeah. that's too heavy. I have to take off my armor to lift it. <laughs> um, Check out my up. rock. Back to the Dragon Ball uh, reference, they got to remove their weighted clothes just so they can be more powerful to hold the rock. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, he'll uh, be making an appearance, dad bod and all, as he's sitting on my shelf in the bygone era. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. I'm actually convinced I need to go and buy those models now, finally. Nice. Well, I think that is a good spot to leave it here. Uh, Matt's off to buy some models. Uh, Jack gets his list ready for his tournament. And uh, I still have to contemplate what to do when I have a bunch of Ideneth uh, about to shoot me from across the board. But <laughs> whether I charge Shake in. Shake their hand uh, and say, good game, good sir. Yeah, exactly. Just Poor walk man. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just ask um, politely if they could be less fun this game rather than more fun. Go yeah, into exactly. a, You need to go into a rant about how Ideneth don't play the fundamentals they they've skipped all the fundamentals and all no, they no, do no. is trick shots so it's just trick know, shots just trick shots that's it <laughs> i think that's a, a good potential tease for our next topic next time which is armies <laughs> that play their own game maybe we'll go this topic maybe not there but i go. think it's a good one there's a lot out there and it's i be feel like there's a harlem globetrotter reference that we could be a metaphor that we could be <laughs> and we will come prepared with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> We'll have to do some research. I don't know much of anything about the Globetrotters. They're fun. They're, they're fun to watch. They're fun. I did to see go. them when I was seven. I think it was. There you go. Time. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, this has been always strikes last. <laughs> Until uh, next time, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I got the last word. <laughs> <laughs>